Blog Talk Radio. Hi, it's Mo, and you are listening to Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to sex, dating, and relationships that are outside of the box, non-normative, and designed to inspire you to live more authentically and by your own rules. By breaking down myths and looking at social constructs, my goal is to inspire you to have a better, safer, more informed sex, dating, and love life. No rock unturned. Now that is rock and roll. Today my guest is Eric Schneider. Is that Dr. Eric Schneider? <laughs> Call around once, yes. Uh-huh. It is the doctor? Okay. And um, Dr. Eric Schneider is actually pretty, pretty well Dr. Eric Schneider is actually very well-spoken and eloquent when it comes to a lot of the issues um, around dating for gay men, and not just dating, but relationships and a lot of historical stuff. Yeah, you know, you put the pressure on by saying, you know, I'm eloquent. That'll just ruin everything. So. <laughs> but so what, what you're, I mean, I, I think what you're talking about in, in terms of, of, of um, kind of where I'm coming from is, is I, we're all very often just focused on what's occurring mm-hmm. right now. You can I look, should look at the yeah, periodically. Yeah. Um, so often what, we, what happens is, is that we're focused on what's occurring currently in our culture. And so, you know, the gay quote-unquote community, for lack of a better term, it's not a monolith by any stretch of the imagination, but gay culture, or what is considered now more gay-normative culture, or the most visible aspects of gay culture, um, often become the defining factor for how things are. And the truth is our current gay culture sits in a socio-historical timeline, mm-hmm. and it also sits in, uh, you know, so there are various cohorts, age cohorts, mm-hmm. that have different kinds of experiences as they come into the gay community, as they sort of discover their sexuality, um, not just in terms of their own identity, but actually in, in practice, in mm-hmm. the actual practice of an expression of their sexuality. So you kind of pass each other, and, you know, you look back, you play this whole, I mean, there's a whole dance. Yeah. Right? And then if you smile and like each other, mm-hmm. you kind of now have to walk towards each other, right? So you think about it, think just, just the experience of, of looking, yeah. of walking past, of looking over your shoulder, yeah. and getting that smile, right? And then kind of walking towards each other. And you weren't naked. No. Right? Like you can be on Grindr, right? You, you know, you could be practically naked on Grindr, you know, and maybe you'll get your pictures, you know, once in a while they'll say, you know, you shouldn't have that on there. But, but pretty much what happens is you then would have to approach, and then, then you'd have to say, hi. Right. Right? And you didn't have a thing in the window that said, you know, 510, You weren't doing it. You weren't able to make those kinds of assessments. Mm-hmm. So here now, now if we like each other enough, and, you know, when you're talking about, I, I, I can't quite tell your build if you're the perfect build, right? But, and if it was a go, you know, we'd go. Now, we can talk about a hanky code another time, because that was <laughs> earlier on. Right, right. right. But um, we'd make it up, but then I'd have to undress, and you'd have to undress, and there'd be layers. and, and a lot more mystery. A lot more mystery, a lot more excitement, you know, the, the, the intensity. Mm-hmm. Kind of dead now. Right. 
Right. You know, it's a little, it's been deadened, it's been devitalized. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm one of the people that has benefited from the technology from years ago, but it's gone to such an extreme that, you know, we're sitting here romanticizing how it was back in the day. Back in the day, you know, it was like, like, right? And I mean, I don't want to say it's perfect, right? You know, back in the day, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? So, um, I, I don't want to romanticize it and say it was perfect, but I do want to say it was different. Mm -hmm. And those differences kind of mattered. And, you know, there's this whole notion, like, um, in, in sort of popular literature that, you know, one of the, the press for marriage and whatnot is that somehow, you know, gay men didn't have the support to have relationships. Mm -hmm. The absence of those supports, in other words, the more antagonism that existed around gay men, the more likely it was we would hold on to each other. Right. There was more community, more camaraderie. And more relationships. Ah, uh-huh. Right. And because well, of... Well, that's ironic. It is. It's <laughs> ironic. Isn't it ironic? Because... Isn't it ironic that the people, the gay men in New York who are getting married are 50, 60, 70 years old? Yes. That's when they're from. And it that's is ironic. Think, right? Because... Honestly, when when same-sex marriage was legalized, I thought that the younger community, the younger generation, were going to be the one sort of missing out on what the older gay generation got to experience when, you know, in the 70s and the 80s um, and even the 90s where there was no rules and role models to follow. So there was sexual freedom, you know. The gay community made their own rules. And so now with same-sex marriage, they have to, they don't have to, but they are more likely to, you know, ape the majority, basically. Right, you think that. You, yes. Right, like you think that. And actually, um, while some younger gay couples are getting married, they're also getting divorced rather quickly. Mm. Um, but the, the, I think what you're, I think what you're referring to is sort of the homonormativity, right? So, yeah. from, so we're going to we're going to utilize the heteronormative map, which didn't work for the heteros. Right. 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 It worked so brilliantly <laughs> that the divorce rate has stayed exactly the same. Right. And less and less couples are actually getting married. Right. Um, that was the in the New York Times they reported I don't it's like six months ago or something that the divorce rate is down. But they neglected to report that so is the marriage rate, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So statistically, it doesn't—it makes perfect sense. If you're having less marriages, you'll have less divorces, okay. right? And so for gay men, um, this fight for this sort of normative kind of, of relationship or ideal really is for older, an older generation, right? Um, uh, some of the uh, researchers like um, uh, Seidman and. and Sally Williams talk about the vanishing closet, right? Mm -hmm. That gay men are coming out younger and younger. And the truth is, they're talking about gay white men. Um, they're not talking about all gay men. Right, absolutely. And that's where their research is, is you centered know, around. Yeah. yeah. And so, yes, for young gay white men who come from uh, socioeconomic status that is, is you know, more robust and mm -hmm. certainly more liberal, um, maybe the closet is vanishing. <laughs> But uh, at the same time, this challenge of, of forming relationships has gone through a complete, a complete, it's gone through this complete, um, you have to, we have to remember something, right? From the point of view of naming homosexuality in the late 1800s, uh, and we've talked about this before, 
um, they were not just naming um, sexual behavior. They were also naming effeminacy. They were also marking effeminacy. And so, so it, the, the, the gay men, the men who had sex with men who had more of a traditional masculine gender performance actually passed unnoticed, and all of that became secret. Um, but in the, in the sexual liberation of the 70s, um, what we had was this huge push in masculinity, right? In San Francisco, it was the birth of the clone, and then it got to here, right? And the clone was that, you know, well-muscled, uh, t-shirt-wearing, tight jeans, um, sort of a, a, a more, a less of a comic book version of, of Tom of Finland, right? Mm -hmm. You know, with enormous cock and cocks and, and huge chests and mm -hmm. scruff and all of this really leather, big, big right? And, yeah. You know, six packs and, you know, muscular, like way over the top. Yeah. And so, um, but and, and as I've mentioned to you before, there has been that in every single decade in some form or another. You know, there used to be the Chelsea Queen, and, and um, uh, then I think I was in Seattle a few months back, and they called it the lumbersexual, you know, and the scruff, and, you know, sort of the, the flannel, and the all bear. the bear, right? Sort of the muscle bear, specifically, right? Mm -hmm. So, so this, this sort of hold of masculinity, or the, the ideology of masculinity that we embrace, which then gets reflected in technology, right? So we have tech, we have uh, buzzwords for that, you know, muscular, masculine, uh, straight acting, jock, um, daddy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like all of these very, very masculine, heavy kinds of, of, mm -hmm. of language that are, are being used to to express preference, right? So it's, it's reinforcing this preference. But the problem is that. Um, there is this sort of dark side of masculinity, but we don't often talk about the lighter side of masculinity, which has to do with, I believe, has to do with integrity, mm -hmm. dignity, gentleness, compassion. Um, that these are also capacities of masculinity that are not highlighted or rendered at all. Um, and well, the focus is more on tough guy. The, the Marlboro Man. I mean, right. I remember the pictures of the Marlboro Man, you know, the mustache guy with the, the cowboy hat. Bull, no emotion. No emotion. Stoic. Very stoic. Very stoic. And what was always interesting to me is he was never looking at the camera. He was never making eye contact with someone. Mm -hmm. It was always <laughs> looking away, you know, or looking down. Right. And it's like, like the epitome of masculinity. Mm. Okay, why are we talking about this? Oh, because this has impacted the, the dating lives of, of gay men uh, in a lot of different ways. We, we continue to sort of increase the value of those traits, and as you pointed out, stoicism is a big one. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're allowed three reactions to any situation. We're allowed to be angry, mm -hmm. we're allowed to withdraw, and we're allowed to be fun. Right. So all those, all those other ones you mentioned earlier, integrity, the, the ones, the, the positive ones, those aren't really highlighted. As no. Part of the, no. Part and of the masculine. No. Yeah. They're not chivalry, um, mm -hmm. protectiveness, mm -hmm. right? Where are those things? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, one of the uh, interesting phenomena to me is that you know years ago gay men would go to therapy. That was something counseling therapy. They were getting help. We were brought to our knees by AIDS, basically. 
And so we were raw, and we needed help and support to kind of reorganize us. But there's been a backlash of that. We're back to, well, we're fine now. Yeah. Everything's okay. Things are working out. Things are working out. Everything's good. You know, we got prep now, and mm -hmm. we got prep now, and and same-sex marriage. Same marriage, and Crystal Matthews is going up and up and up and up. But we've got prep. And we've got prep. So at least now, when they do research on Crystal Meth and the dangers of Crystal Meth, they won't be talking about it only in terms of how it increases the likelihood of spreading AIDS mm -hmm. or HIV. Um, but that said, the, the very skills, the, the stoicism is antithetical to intimacy. Yeah. Right? Right. You can't have intimacy without vulnerability. You can't have intimacy right. without without opening up. You can't have intimacy. You can't be a tough guy and be and it doesn't work. An intimate relationship. You can be eroticized for being a tough guy. Right, right. right. But then of course that that paradox of eroticism and intimacy, right. which many people straight and gay are right. having trouble with. Right. Big fucking surprise. I mean, for years they said gay men gay men are not capable. That was my point. That gay men are not capable of intimacy because they separate sex and love, or they sort of only focus on eroticism versus other things, and, and it's so not true. It's such a male thing, um, and women are picking it up too. I mean, uh, we were joking around about sex in the city, how women are becoming more and more like Samantha every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I know I'm being very, very stereotypical here, and I know I'm speaking in very general terms, and I know that there are exceptions. Well, Obviously. you're answering my question, which was how has how has Technology affected the dating. It's, the dating it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. It, it's exacerbating things that are actually. It, it's so convoluted to me because in the last 20 years there has been so much research on on fostering connection and intimacy and safety and security and managing eroticism in a safe context and and all of that stuff. And it's like everything we do is just antithetical to all of that research. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. To yeah. Me. We are growing away from being intimate with with each other because we're constantly attached to that electronic device. I can't tell you how many times I've made arrangements with someone who said, you know, and I, again, I come from a different generation. When I made plans with you, um, it was by the phone, like a yeah. real phone, and it meant that we had a plan because I wasn't going to be at my phone all Well, if you couldn't, yeah, I mean, you would have to, if you were out meeting somebody at a bar, you couldn't run home, check your answering machine. You're in your answering machine. You don't have an answering machine. Okay. Okay. So, I don't know if I need my phone, but here we go. Okay, so, so, we're, we've decided to retire. <laughs> Yeah. We're actually we're in this, this show is now called Conversations with an Ex Therapist. Right, exactly. Not ex -sex but it's an ex sex therapist. I want to make that clear, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're done. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're gonna do something else. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean something about it's a little there's a lot I like the I like I like I like our I like our job. We have a really cool job, but the world's changing. I think that's really what we're talking about. The world is changing, and we're trying to figure out how to I guess change with it in a sense. Yeah. Um, it's kind of strange to say that actually. I kind of almost feel like I'm some kind of dinosaur. Well, it's funny that you say that because I am feeling like that too. When I first became a therapist, I was getting out of having been working in the tech world for a while. 
And so I was like really excited. I'm gonna like do all this SEO. I'm gonna, you know, like build my website. I'm gonna do the whole email newsletter thing. And so, it, you know, I'm gonna market myself on Google because where do you go to find sex therapists? This was 2007 when I, when I got licensed. Where do you go to find a therapist? You go online. So I came from the online generation but now I feel like I've been doing this almost a decade, and I don't want to build some. I don't want new subscribers. The, I don't want to like the, work on all that. You know, the I more did. the more you talk, the more like a dinosaur I feel. <laughs> right. Because I'm on two and two, two and a half decades. <laughs> okay. Okay. So when I came in, mm -hmm. uh, it was at the height of the AIDS crisis. Mm -hmm. And uh, being young and, and um, kind of brash, um, I felt what I, I called at that time a calling to do something. And okay. I started actually volunteering at the Manhattan Center for a Living. Oh, okay, cool. And so that's where it all, the, the career grew up around me. Yeah. And I didn't have to do anything at all to put myself out there. It was like I just put myself in there and everything else just sort of happened. Um, and but then things really started to change. It is, you know, the two there were two miracles in the nineties. Two. Um, the first miracle was the protease inhibitors, right? The the drugs that would prevent everyone from dying, mm -hmm. and that was a very important uh, shift in the in the entire tenor of of that period of time because mm -hmm. we went from AIDS being a death sentence. You know, people. I remember it was really hard. It was, you know, people were coming in on Monday and they'd be dead by Friday. It was really, and, and so many people, it was, I still have, I mean, for lack of a better term, I know I still suffer from uh, sort of PTSD about that particular time period. But the protease inhibitors really changed the landscape of mm -hmm. everything. Sure. Um, but along with that, there was another miracle, and that was the miracle of AOL. And that, wow. was, that, was, that was like, oh my God. Um, I could actually talk to people. I mean, I remember coming out in the in the 90s trying to make my way at the bars and I didn't fit any particular, t I was actually not seen, mm -hmm. right? So AOL gave me an opportunity to actually talk to people, ah, right? And because it took we can title this episode AOL and AIDS. It, it, we, it took like 30 minutes to upload a picture, so mm -hmm. you had plenty of time to actually talk to someone and engage them in the conversation. Wow, so, 30 minutes to upload a picture. 20 minutes, you know, with all the sounds. Remember the sounds of AOL? Yeah. You have mail and all that. Okay. Right. But so this is how my career got started. Mm -hmm. And so it was this, this very organic process. And the technology really has changed that. It's changed the way people purchase. It's changed the way people think. And now there are people who market to people like us who are actually, in a way, influencing how people buy. Right. And for me, it's become more and more problematic because right. I don't, I don't know how to talk in sound bites. Right. I don't know how to talk in these little uh, bits of information, and I, I struggle with it because at the same time, I know when people hear sound bites, they hear them, they nod their hair, head yes, they nod their hair yes, <laughs> no, they. Nod <laughs> They nod their head yes, mm -hmm. and that's the end of the conversation internally. 
So in other words, the sound bite is like a pre-digested piece of information hmm. that you don't actually have to wrestle with, you don't actually have to engage with, you don't actually, it's like, it just moves you on to the next piece. Ah, it's like, oh, light bulb moment, thank you, Patrick. Right. Moving on. But you didn't have the light bulb moment, it was given to you. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of this sense of I'm recognizing this light bulb moment, I get it. Like I said, the head nods, but the processing of the information stops. Right. It's almost like the sound bite is just like a basic, well, this is where we are now. It's like the snapshot. Accept it. Yeah. You accept, and then you're supposed to, but you can't do anything with it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually, you know, it, it's really interesting. Weight loss is a metaphor, right? So we are told that if we eat foods, that if we eat often enough, we increase our metabolism. We cause the metabolism to work harder. If we eat slow-burning fuels, even harder, right? But the sort of psychological fast food that we're being fed um, actually keeps breeding. It, it, it keeps breeding sort of um, this this chronic discontent because it doesn't actually help. Mm-hmm. So can you be a little bit more specific what you're talking about? Uh, maybe maybe tell um, the audience how this affects maybe the dating world. Well, it, it, it affects the, the uh, I mean, <laughs> technology is right in the center of the dating world. Yes. Okay, and, yes. and so my expertise is, 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 is in, in sort of the, the gay socio-historical gay cultural uh, world. I'm looking at gay men, I'm looking at gay dating, I'm looking at basically the love lives of gay men. Um, as a clinician, uh, as a coach, as a counselor, as a, an academic, as a, uh, as a member of the, the culture myself, um, I'm looking at how all of this either works or doesn't work. And um, how this plays a, a part is, is uh, we've talked about this, but when I was younger, cruising was very different than the, the sort of online app world, right? Mm-hmm. So on the online app world, which is akin to shopping on Amazon, right? right? Um, where you basically, you, you have a grid that you're looking at in your phone, and, and basically you're looking at images of people, mm-hmm. right? And I'm noticing actually a new trend, which is now people aren't even filling out the information. Well, I think that you don't have to on like Tinder and Grindr. No, you don't have to, right? right? But so now, now it was interesting because okay, so let me let me see if I can backtrack a little bit. So you're looking at images. You're looking a lot at, at flesh images, naked flesh. Right? You're looking at everybody's got a torso, and if you're in New York, you think every single gay man except you has a six pack. Right? That's the thing. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what you see. Mm-hmm. And so what people are shopping for is. Uh, what sexually turns them on, right? So Helen Fisher wrote uh, a little bit of an article, I think last week somewhere. Uh, she's the cultural anthropologist at Rutgers who wrote the book um, Why We Love, mm-hmm. right? And she was talking about that what we're looking for when we're swiping, if we're using Tinder or hitting and opening up, is you know what is sexually attractive to us, and it, there's a dopamine spike, mm-hmm. right? But she says also the second thing we're looking for is is this is this a good match? I don't believe gay men are looking for that second thing. I think she's actually wrong. Mm. I think that gay men are looking for the sexual match and hope that everything else will work out. Okay. Right? I know that there are gay men out there who have their little maps and their lists about, you know, what will... Perfect type. Perfect type. Mm -hmm. um, But also what will 
equal happily ever after. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's what they're looking for. I think that the sexual excitation and the sexual, the, the dopaminergic uh, kind of re dopamine release that gay men have when we see the, our type, you know, the, something that matches our erotic template, that's the thing we go for. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking for a partner, if we're looking for a partner, now, my, a lot of gay men are always telling me, I wish I had a relationship, I wish I had a relationship, I wish I had a relationship. But they're not looking for a relationship. They're looking for a, a, an erotic type or an erotic, something that they can eroticize, something that turns them on. So a quick fix? It's not, a, I wouldn't, a quick fix is a very strong word. It's not a quick fix, but it's becoming habituated through the technology. Okay. In other words, people often say to me, technology is neutral. Bullshit. Okay. It's not neutral. It's actually training us. It's actually impacting the way we behave. It's impacting the way we think. It's not neutral. Someone who has that kind of strength of will to say, I'm going to use this in a particular way, God bless them. But, you know, babies are born with the capacity now to swipe. Right. Right? Thank you, Apple. Right? So it isn't so much, it's not a neutral thing. It's actually habituating and, and making more chronic something gay men have been doing for a long time, mm -hmm. which is objectifying each other. Right. right. Now, a little objectification goes a really long way. Sure. Right? I mean, how sure. else do we get turned on by someone? Right. But when it gets to this kind of an extreme, it really limits, and well, it, it dehumanizes us. Mm -hmm. does, does cruising in the old school way that you were talking about earlier, where, you know, you made that example where back in the day you had to like actually cruise someone and like actually talk to him. Where did back in the day when I was a yoga? Yeah. No. You used um, to have to talk to them before you would see them. Right. Naked. So, so, so does that type of cruising still happen in the gay community? Well, no, because everybody's got their head buried in the phone, so nobody can make eye contact. They even go to bars and everybody's got their head in the phone, so they're not making eye contact. They're waiting for their dates or they're going to meet at the bar. bar right? <laughs> they're going to hook. Them. It, 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 it's a mess. Right. right. But so back in the day. But people still go to bars here in New York City. Okay, so here's what I see. And here's what I see that gay men do. Mm -hmm. Okay, they don't go to bars the way we, my generation, went to bars, mm -hmm. which was to meet people. Right. They go to bars with friends. Okay, so for so it becomes it's like an extension of their kitchen in some way, you know, or their living room. It's not even like it's not. Screw cooking dinner. Yes. Just go to the bar. Go to the bar. Um, but I think what happens is, you know, you were talking about back in the day, when we used to cruise, you had to make eye contact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you had to pause. It was much slower. Right. And then you, you know. Okay, before I was around when they did that, okay. right. but I mean, I'm just saying. You know, no, you'd have to check. You'd have right? to check, yeah. But you know, then they had you could you know you that worse and worse. code to the answer machine. I do remember that, yeah. But, but then it got worse and worse. But and I worse. think that that has made people have to be less accountable, or made people have two more. things. You're right. Two things. One is I'm less accountable because I can text you now and say I'm running late. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm not going to be able to make it. Yeah. My phone died. Yeah. Right. Uh, the dog ate my homework. Okay. Um, that was that was that old school. That's really old school. I know. I'm dating myself here all over the place. But also, what I've noticed, and I'm making plans, and I come from that space of making plans. I'm like, right? I 
we're going to, even this, we made plans like, I don't know how many days ago, right. like, this Wednesday, right, to get together and do this. And people are like, uh, okay, maybe I'll see you Thursday. And I'm like, maybe. But we made plans. What is maybe? <laughs> maybe is, at least it says to me, is, I'm going to keep this plan if nothing better. Are we busier because of our phones? No, what I think is happening is that the fear of missing out, mm-hmm. Or missing the best thing because you mm. is what's happening here. It's like Esther Perel says. <laughs> she says that you know the sound bite. Oh, right, right. You know, one of the things that Esther Perel said in her TED talk, and 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 I think it's a very powerful sound bite, but mm-hmm. it needs to be unpacked, which is. Years ago we got divorced because we were unhappy, now we get divorced because we think we can be happier. Right. right. Which is why people don't show up. They don't show up or, you know, they change plans at the last minute or, and they think it's okay. Right. They sort of think it's okay. And I think this is a new cohort thing. I think this is what people mm-hmm. are doing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hard. I don't know how anyone gets anything done anymore because nobody actually makes a plan and makes a commitment and keeps their commitments. Right. And that goes back to what we were talking about around integrity, around... Uh, Who wants to start coaching a webinar? webinar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then they follow the formula. Right, right, like there's a formula. But I really noticed that. I mean, in the last week, I've had four opportunities, theoretically, four opportunities to meet new people, and all of them flaked out. Hmm. Now, if I were... I am actually very rejection-sensitive, right? Um, and rejection sensitivity is a, is a, is a, is, is very related to attachment, right? So if you have sort of an anxious attachment style, you're likely to be sort of scanning the environment for potential um, rejection. But it, it's actually a self-fulfilling kind of a prophecy, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not that rejection sensitive. Right? I mean, things do come up, life interferes with life, and I'm okay with that. But um, it's just interesting how disposable the whole thing is, you know, or how disposable my time is, or how disposable your time is, or how disposable our time together is. It's a, it's a weird thing when I talk to younger gay guys who have been in relationships, and I ask them, um, uh, you know, why did your relationship end? You know, they, they sort of have a, a story about it, and I'm like, did you ever think about counseling or getting some help? No. And years ago, that was like, of course, that's the first thing you do. Mm-hmm. And that sort of says to me, or it starts to infer to me, the, the value of what we're putting on it. With technology, hey, the next one's right around. It's just, the, I don't have to leave home. The next one is only a, you know, a, a swipe away. Swipe away, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. You know, some of it's kind of funny, um, but some of it's not really funny. And I don't, I still am, am very curious because I keep hearing from guys who really would like to be in a relationship. Right, right. I think that everybody wants that, and that's why these dating sites do really well. People are craving that human connection, people want intimacy, people want to spend time together. But I think people want to want to spend time together. I think it's, it's a desire. Mm-hmm. But I think the skill sets are, are the skills that are, make that possible oh, are, 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 are watered down now. Really watered down yeah. and very eroded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like we can't bear each other's company. We can't even bear being in our own skin. Alone, quietly, by ourselves. Without a glass of wine. Wine or, or you know, <laughs> yeah. more crystal, please. Um, but yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, none of those things—crystal, the alcohol, the drug, all that stuff—none of it starts out becoming. Um, it doesn't start out becoming an escape. It starts out by becoming an experience. Right. For fun. For fun, and it's like, wow, look at this experience I'm having. But then real life always pales in comparison yeah. to these heightened High, experiences, yeah. right? And so we begin to compare real life. But we also, while we're comparing, we, we devitalize real life. Because mm -hmm. we're not really in. Mm -hmm. We're not even in our own skin long enough to actually experience the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm -hmm. And from our vantage point, right, as, as, as counselors and as coaches, um, the richness of living your life is is living in your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not all supposed to be happy, happy, happy to talk to you <laughs> because I'm looking on Grindr for the next... Uh, and I think you're talking to a friend, partner, friend, partner. Um, <laughs> friend, not partner. Um, Single. Looked over by Alex 100 most eligible bachelors in New York. I mean, in the, I don't know if it's New York or the country, but totally looked over. Single. 51 years old and single. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll go to the bar. We'll go to the bar right Let's go cruising. Right. Let's go cruising. Okay. So, um, so we're here with Dr. Eric Schneider. Um, we have been chatting about dating in the new technology era and how it's you know affecting intimacy and relationships. Um, and our careers, in fact, as well. Um, and so one of the things that you had brought up was rejection sensitivity. Um, and then I wanted to, you to talk about rejection insensitivity. Yeah, I think you can right. remind them what rejection sensitivity is. Right, so rejection sensitivity is, is in the research literature. It's about, um, it's, it, it, it's about intensity. It's about uh, a sense of uh, expectation about being rejected. It's also how you react. You know, some people, right off the shoulder, it doesn't matter, yeah, right? Yeah. It rolls off of them. Yeah. But other people, it's like a really big, it's a big ouch. Mm -hmm. um, and so what happens is the rejection-sensitive person, it tends to be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy as they expect rejection. Of course, they're, they're invoking something in the other that actually can push them away. And we know this from uh, a lot of clinical literature and a lot of clinicians and researchers who have become very popular in the, in the sort of, you know, everyday uh, world who keep coming up with these terms minimizer, maximizer, chasey, chaser, mm -hmm. uh, pursuer, uh, distancer, victim, right? There's yeah. all sorts of terminology for it. But um, but the in because of technology, um, I believe we're becoming more and more rejection insensitive. Okay. Because it happens so easily, and it's it's you know it's just a swipe to the left or a swipe to the right or hit the block button, and you you don't exist anymore in someone's you know grid. That makes me anxious. It makes me anxious too. Does is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, we're, okay, so we're experiencing a lot more rejection. We are, and we're actually giving a lot more, more rejection. rejection too. Right. Um. So we're becoming more. We're becoming more sort of numb to it. Accustomed, right? Accustomed. So that could potentially be a good thing, no? Well, tell me what you mean by what, what would make that well, a good thing. Well, because then we don't have to sit and brood when, oh, we didn't get the job, or, oh, you know, he didn't call me back. Uh, you're bringing, right, you're bringing, well, 
it becomes tricky, right? So if you do not, if you do actually start to connect, mm -hmm. the um, it's hard to maintain that that level of, of desensitization as the context becomes more complex. Sure. Right. Okay. Sure. So, but is it a good thing? Okay. So if it was a good thing to be desensitized to rejection, what's interesting to me is we would never behave like this in real life. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If someone says hello to you at a bar. Mm -hmm. You may not be interested in them, but you're more likely to at least be polite. Right. Sure. Right. Um, and declining someone's offer is a very reasonable. I think that's a very reasonable thing to do. I don't. You know, it would be nice. I know that myself included. Most gay men are trying to be universally attractive so that they're unrejectable. But I believe that becoming desensitized to rejection. It's like turning off the faucet on all the water. Mm -hmm. Those hurts, those those pangs, those pains. Um, I think we collect them, but instead of just becoming desensitized to them, we start uh, becoming callous to them. Mm. Kind of, it's very similar to what you were talking about the masculine masculinization. Yeah, it kind of feeds that. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I remember a friend of mine. Uh, he had an uh, some kind of little uh, tiff with a friend of his, and his answer to me was, "He'll get over it." And something about that, you know, where is the reconciliation? Where is the you know we would call it rapprochement, right? Where is the you know listen. I wasn't in a good space yet. Where is that yeah. part of the dialogue? No, he'll get over it. And then he'll see me at the bar and we'll pretend like nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing. Right. I, don't, I agree with I don't, that. Right, I don't yeah. think that's a, such yeah. a great thing. Well, I think again, the being people able, not being accountable. No right. one has to be accountable right. anymore. Right, right, right. No one has to be accountable anymore. And I think, you know, being, um, being able to take rejection in a way that contextualizes the rejection not being about you but about being s about someone else is important. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're not necessarily rejecting you right. because of who you are. Right. It's something about where they are right. and what they're looking for and it's different. It's, you know, the example I always give is ice cream. Uh-huh. Right? I love vanilla ice cream. Now chocolate isn't sitting there going, what about me? Someone else will like chocolate ice cream. Sure. Right? Um, I don't have to like all the flavors. Mm -hmm. right? um, it's not just vanilla that I like. I'm very fond of Lucky Rose, but it's a whole other. Vanilla's the majority. Very, yeah, right? <laughs> Even sexually, vanilla's the majority of people. It is. Um, but, but the thing is that you know, we take these things you know, as, as big narcissistic blows. And of course, there's the extreme, which is not good, but. But the insensitivity uh, that I see on the apps is, you know, like people will say, uh, no one who could be my father. You know, there's the ageism, mm -hmm. right? Because, of course, fathers don't have sex. Right. 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 That's, you know, what about grandfather? Yeah, certainly. You know, no grandpas, right? There's another one, right? But of course, you know, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, no rice, no curry. It's all the same stuff. Right. 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 Um, and, and we don't actually, we would never do that. In real life. Right. We'd be like, um, no. Uh, are no you curry. kidding me? <laughs> you? Right. right. I mean, right. you know, that's kind of the, yeah. kind of the, right? So, 
there is this sense in technology of this sort of virtual, removed, distant from the slings and arrows of, of, of Oh yeah, well you can hide. Again, you're not you're not gonna be held accountable when you're a total asshole to someone online. And it's and it's unfortunate because then that that you know, I remember one of my teachers used to say we get good at what we practice. And if that's what we're doing, that is what we're gonna get better at.